0: Welcome to the August edition of the Lancer Healthy Longevity in Conversation With. I'm Philip Harris, the Editor-in-Chief, and today I'm talking to Amanda Perry from the University of York in the UK. Amanda and colleagues' Systematic Review on Interventions for Depression and Anxiety in Older People with Physical Health Problems in the Criminal Justice System is published in our August issue. So thank you so much for joining us today. So your paper is looking at... Um, older adults who are in the criminal justice system. So why is it important when you're looking at healthcare for these individuals to, to focus specifically on kind of the older population?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. So um, you're right, the papers around older people in custody, and it's really important because we know from the last kind of decades, certainly in the UK and internationally, that this group of people have been growing rapidly, both in their involvement in the criminal justice system but people who are in custody particularly in prison and I think probably this group of people are probably the largest numbers that have grown so since 2002 we've had an increase of 159% of people in the UK prison population and um, this also mimics in European countries
0: and also in the USA. And um, what kind of health conditions do you see most in this population? So the evidence around the health conditions
1: is actually quite scarce. So we have got some studies of prevalence, which have been conducted quite a long time ago. And the other type of evidence we have that tells us about health conditions in this group are systematic reviews that have been done by other authors. We do have knowledge of, of what kind of conditions this group of people Typically suffer from, and we know that up up to ninety percent of people living in prison, age fifty years or above, tend to report at least one moderate or severe health condition, and and up to as many as half of old all older prisoners present with a mental illness. Typically, that mental illness is common mental health problems, so things like depression and anxiety are more common in this group and we also know from the research that people who suffer from mental health problems are more likely to reoffend in the future so it's really important to try to manage mental and also physical health in this group to support them not to come back to a custodial environment physical health in in older people is kind of even less known about with, within this group the, the key things tend to link to lifestyle and experience. So, for example, poor diet in prison and lots of inactivity can lead to people who are obese. And then other complicating factors linked to physical health include COPD, asthma, diabetes. So when someone has a physical and a mental health problem, these two things are confounded by other life experience like substance misuse problems as well.
0: So your paper is a systematic review which looks at interventions for, for people suffering from, from sort of these mental health problems like depression and anxiety in older people with physical health problems in prison. So so what were the main findings?
1: Yeah, so we we conduct the systematic review. We looked through just over 20,000 pieces of evidence. Uh, We were interested in randomized controlled trials that were focusing on people involved in the criminal justice system of this particular age group, so people who are 50 years and above. And we were trying to find interventions that targeted specifically this group as well, and we were looking at interventions that measured outcomes of depression and or anxiety, so we're quite specific in what we're looking for. But through that search, which was internationally conducted with 21 databases and from 1990 onward, we didn't find a single randomized controlled trial that was specifically targeting this group of individuals. So what we might refer to as an academic as an empty review. Empty reviews are really quite rare in the system, but but they do happen. So we were quite surprised by that lack of evidence base um, that we found. We did find a handful of s- studies, 24 out of that whole group, that did include some people of, of this age group. And we contacted authors to ask them for more information about how many people of this age sat within those studies. But across all of them, the numbers were Really, really small, and so the evidence we can kind of use to look at what we know works for this group of people in terms of improving their mental health in relation to depression and anxiety is really very limited.
0: And um, one of the things you you sort of um, highlight in your review is that of, of these interventions, some of them had you know very high dropout rates. Was that something that you would expect? in this population and also, you know, how can you kind of improve that going forward?
1: Yeah, so you're right. Um, So the dropout rate did vary across those 24 studies that had this age range within them. And I think dropout is in relation to lots of kind of different elements if you think about people in custody and their journey through that particular process. We've since done some workshops with a group of male and female people in custody. Try and understand actually a little bit more about this and why this might be the case from from a research perspective. People talk about acceptability and feasibility of of the delivery of interventions for this group of people we We often find that other research that has been done uses existing interventions from the community that may have shown some level of promising results and try to kind of mimic that, but in the prison environment and often with varied success rates. So people being familiar, for example, with the delivery examples of interventions and making sure that interventions fit around the regime of the prison and Environment and that the staff resource is there to be able to deliver them. Thinking about buy-in from staff and, and also people who are receiving the intervention are all really key elements that help to support people being motivated and sufficiently interested in, in actually taking part in the intervention itself. Um, we, we also learned through talking to people that, How to engage with people is really crucial in getting them to come along. So, people in this age group gave us examples whereby they may not feel sufficiently confident to move to another part of the prison without having a member of staff with them or someone encouraging them to come along to the group if they hadn't been to a group session before. They talked about having a buddy system or another prisoner or peer to help them come along to attend sessions that might involve engagement with groups of people that they might not have met before. Um, So really thinking about what their needs are as a group and um, working with this group of people to devise what's really required to support them to take part and therefore stay within the intervention group as well. There are prison environmental factors that obviously have an impact on the delivery of, of any kind of intervention within the prison site, things like unexpected lockdown of the prison site or a change in the regime, which means that people aren't able then to be able to physically get to the space where the intervention is delivered. There's, there's other factors such as people in custody being transferred or released back into the community before, before the end point of the the intervention um, as well. And they're kind of things that are unique to the prison environment and which research and healthcare have very limited elements to, to be able to control or, or to change. But I think really the key aspects of delivery include the buy-in and the relationships that you have with business staff, but all, also those people that you'd like to take part in, intervention and kind of the planning and the development of those things are really key to then the success of both the the acceptability of the intervention and the feasibility of delivering it within the constraints of the prison environment
0: yeah it's really interesting i mean i i don't know if this information you know you were able to get this information from the you know the papers of the interventions you study but i'm just wondering you know how often is it that that staff or prisoners are allowed to kind of to help design the intervention you know before the study even gets going you know is, is that something you commonly see or does it kind of get presented to people as a you know this is the intervention work with what you've got
1: yeah I think I think mostly it's the latter of what you've just said so people are, are, are kind of like presented with this is what it is that we're doing um and one of the things that comes through the research that's been done particularly with this group is that they tend to have a lack of a voice a lack of a sense of empowerment um kind of a bit left um without much support with within the prison population itself so by including them in kind of the decision making process and taking on board their suggestions also helps to benefit them not just from you know taking part in the process but also that sense of having a value and a purpose and and actually that they're views do make a difference to the contribution of what they're doing uh, and that kind of approach then also helps with the buy-in of of acceptability and feasibility
0: and so you know one of the the findings um from your systematic review is that you know that there aren't any interventions specifically at, at the the older population you know how, how can we improve that do we you know is it just that sort of specific studies um need to be designed or you know are some of the the, some of the points you've just made about sort of um including people in in design and in 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 sort of um how things are conducted important you know what what would you like to see going forwards
1: yeah i I think there needs to be a whole kind of framework of research around this area it's difficult i think to construe what what would work for them without kind of going back to the beginning of this process and thinking about what do we know, what does the evidence tell us. So, you know, the, the other obvious place to kind of go to to look for that would be other studies that have been conducted with older people in the community um, that have targeted anxiety and depression as their their outcomes and kind of learn from what the evidence tells about what is successful in terms of age for this a particular group and then you know, we either take what we know and try to co-produce and adapt something then for fit the purpose for this group of people with their support and help and advice but within the prison environment um and and through that development process and I think you know a whole kind of framework of research is required to look at their experience of what that's been like for them measure change and effectiveness of the intervention delivery itself and through use of perhaps routinely collected data that's in the prison sites through existing healthcare records through talking to people about that experience but through that en- engage with all aspects of the prison so that it's it's seen as a holistic type of approach where, representation from different members of the prison team form part of that process as well. So, you know, might have a a staff member from healthcare, but also someone from education or the senior management team or the workshops or someone who works on the wings. And that senior management team buy-in is really key to ensuring that there's some kind of drive that sits behind the the. The requirement of this piece of work to be conducted because I think research evidence is really valuable, but really the challenge still remains that you want something to become sustainable. Also, um, and so then the, the question is around: well, we have this research that we know we think has some benefits to people to their mental and also maybe physical well-being, but how then do we make sure this this is a sustained activity within this environment, and that's kind of a whole different question. Looking at implementation models and how things work in a in an environment that's very challenging and constrained, and um, it changes a lot as well.
0: Yeah, and so you were talking about sort of looking outside the prison environment for you know interventions. You know, are there things that you've seen in the sort of general community, or, or perhaps you know other specialist populations, that you think you know that's really promising? You know, that 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 could be an area to to prioritise for you know, um, in uh, as an intervention for 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 older prisoners, or is there you know any yeah sort of any areas any approaches? Because I know you know when you were looking at the interventions. There was quite a broad spectrum of things people were trying, you know, sort of exercise and 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 um, I think sort of um, sort of more meditation approaches and and also other things. Yeah, So what what are your feelings of of what what you what you'd like to try?
1: Yeah, so I think that's really fair comment. So you're right, kind of these studies that have been done with people involved in the criminal justice system across the ages do tend to lend themselves to kind of like talking therapies, cognitive behavioral approaches, mindfulness interventions. We also had a group of four studies that we looked at creative arts, another four focused on yoga-based interventions. And from learning and talking to this group of people in custody, they They are interested in kind of vocational skills-based work. They're they're keen to try out things that are a bit different. There was some recent um, systematic review and a scoping review that's been conducted with older people in the Keen Immunity, which has looked at the impact of physical exercise and activity in relation to physical mental health. And this group um, looked at studies of older people who are age 60 years and above, they found benefits, particularly in relation to activities that were group-based and actually our our people in custody talked very much about having an opportunity to come together in a group to share experience with people who were a similar age to themselves and someone that they felt they could relate to was really beneficial to their experience of feeling par- part of a community and being connected to people in some way. The scoping review that's been published recently also suggested that intervention work should be supervised and supported appropriately. It should have opportunity to be diverse and inclusive, so cross-cultural as well, um, and trying to deliver activities, I suppose, that may have... Opportunity to be received in different ways. So we've explored this idea that perhaps you could have an exercise group that walks around the perimeter of the prison. Perhaps that could be walking football. Perhaps it could be walking with a coffee or something. And then you you have that compared with well maybe if exercise is beneficial then maybe you could also have um, a small exercise routine that people develop for themselves that they can use in their cell and uh, they could do that perhaps on their own at their leisure also and so it's it's kind of a balance between thinking about the the needs of the group but also how different how the same activity could be delivered in different ways so that it reaches a maximum amount of people that might be willing to engage with it Um, and I think in that in that consideration as well the prison themselves in terms of the strategy for the prison it needs to kind of like fit one of their approaches because they only have limited resources. so it's kind of like matching what kind of the needs of the group are with in relation to the strategy of the prison to ensure that it is also being captured and underpinned in some kind of structure that has an overarching benefit perceived by the prison as well.
0: You can imagine, yeah, that the sort of, you know, approaches that you can design to be quite flexible, like you were saying, you know, to be able to do it in a group, but also to perhaps build something that people can do on their own. Um, and then also, you then have the potential that that it can it can switch. As you, you know, you were saying, one of the big problems is that it's a very can be a very transient population. So sort of people come in and then they get moved to another setting, or or they kind of you know go back to the community. And and you can imagine that if you could build something which people can kind of build on themselves, and they might even be able to take that sort of away with them as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think I think that
1: trajectory kind of through the gate is really important because whatever kind of skills or support you provide people with in custody, the long term kind of gain is that they wouldn't that they might be able to utilize some of these skills to help to support themselves when they release back into the community as well and so it's about having those connections of support i think that help to kind of develop that sustainable approach to the delivery of interventions and we 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 devised quite a few partnerships with the prisons um through the work that we've done so that we can provide activities that have a sense of purpose to people that they feel like what they're doing actually is beneficial and has impact in in helping somebody else in some way so for example we developed a knitting group whereby people could knit for a charity in the community and in return for that knitting the prison would receive a box of wool and the box of wool then therefore made that activity much more sustainable for them because it meant that they didn't have that kind of resource to provide for but also the the important element on top of that aspect of sustainability was the sense that those people doing that knitting really felt like they were contributing to something that was beneficial that it wasn't just doing it for the sake of it but you know or or that it wasn't that kind of a meaningless task but it had a purpose and therefore that made them feel better about what they were doing and how they were contributing to the, the society as a whole
0: yeah and no, i can imagine and especially because in those situations you're often knitting for a sort of very vulnerable group you know uh, you know often sort of newborn babies or things and again that must you know be really helpful in in, in giving it a purpose. Uh, Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been great. Thank you very much. So thank you so much to Amanda for joining us and also to you for listening. So please do read the paper and the rest of the August issue, which are available on our website. And we'll see you next month.